started looking at the chimp and the more I looked at the chimp, you know, it had massive influence on my life and I'd never dealt with it. It's Rob Moore here and welcome to the Disruptive Entrepreneur Show. Um, Ollie, thanks for being here. It, well, thanks for letting us be <laughs> Thank here. Thank you for being here. <laughs> we are, um, we're in Ollie's HQ, well, Breakpoint HQ. Yeah. We met, what, three years ago, would you say? I was going to ask you the same question. Kieran, do you yeah. remember? <laughs> <laughs> That's when your first book came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, so it was Breakpoint. Yeah, so that was, what, 2018? Yeah, three years ago. Yeah. Yeah, a lot's God, changed since then. Yeah. So can you. Yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, no, a lot has changed. A lot has changed. So uh, kind of unpredictable changes. And, but yeah, we'll talk about that today because, you know, it's, it's so interesting because you can have the greatest plans in the world. You can have the goals. You can set this. But, you know, you've got to be prepared to be dynamic with that because, you know, if you expect the environment to change for you and adapt for you, you're going to be waiting a hell of a long time. You just not, you, you've got to be prepared to adapt to whatever's thrown at you. Yeah. And I think, you know, that, I think a lot of people can relate to that. If we're always, it's the same with trauma as well, Rob. You know, we talk, I think we talked about this before where, you know, a lot of the problem with people with trauma and mental health problems, et cetera, et cetera, or an event that's really had some massive influence on their life is the fact that they're trying to be who they were before the event. Right. Yeah. You're not that person anymore. Wow. And it's the same with your business, isn't it? You know, yeah. you, your business has changed if you've allowed it to change. You know, and like we talked about before, you know, at the moment in business, people moaning about, yeah, they haven't created the revenues they expected. They haven't, you know, done as well as they thought. Survival is success at the moment. You know, so if you're still around, if you're still there as a business, you're a success. And you should appreciate that. Yeah, 100%. I've never really thought the way you just worded it about how, the world has changed, the environment has changed, therefore you're not the same person um, or you're not the same business. Mm. And we were talking about sort of the great pivot to online. Yeah. Um, and I know you're making some big changes in your business and we got through, we had a good 2020 and a survival 2021, though we've still yeah. got a lot of time left. Um, but do you want to talk about how you're pivoting your business breakpoint? I know that's something yeah. you're keen to talk about. Yeah, and this is, this is really, you know, all those years ago, when I came back to the UK, I had nothing, didn't know about the TV program. You know, I had one vision, one focus, that was Breakpoint. Mission statement to create a globally identified brand recognized for the positive growth and development of others. Okay. It almost seems to be through circumstances that we're going back to exactly that mission statement. You know, that's been underpinned throughout everything we've done. And I don't know if it's really... Maybe because of my age, we did things a little bit differently... Um, you know, some time back, a few years back, but I feel that we're almost, when it's, for me, coming into business, creating a business, I want to create that. That mission statement for me meant I need to build a massive footprint. I need to have an office. I need to have loads of staff. I need to... You need to you have, know, a, clearly need to have a gym in your you office. You have to have a gym in your office, <laughs> <laughs> which I still stand by. Yeah. You, do, you do need the gym, or you need to create your office around your gym. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, you know, it's, it was all about, you know, that's, that's the sort of direction that I thought you need to, creating an empire needs, you need to have loads of things. You need to have the buildings and, and essentially what this period in my life has done, you know, with the lockdowns, et cetera, et cetera, is the fact that you don't, Yeah. you know, and, but the thing is, you know, we could, I've, I pumped 150 grand into building this place, you know, and I'm more than happy to like go, let's wipe, wipe the slate clean, 
get yeah. rid of downsize. I said this year, right, this year is all about I'm going to, uh, to, to downsize to capitalise. Yeah. So really, you know, and this office and this train, we've got a training facility downstairs, we've got classrooms, et cetera, et cetera, has not been used, you know, but what has been used, we've turned it into a studio, we've, we've adapted it and everything's been online, you know, which, which I think in some respects is good. You know, I do always say that you can never beat that face-to-face interaction. Yeah. You'll never beat that. You, you can never replace that. But there's so much that can be done through, you can, you can reach a bigger audience far and wide with an online um, mm. offering. Um, and then that then supported by the, the face-to-face stuff. Yeah. Whereas we were the other way around. We were the face-to-face business supported by sort of the online, you know, initial um, uh, talks, et cetera, et cetera. So really, it's, for me, it's about the fact that you've got to be prepared to be dynamic. If, we, if I just said, right, no, I've invested so much money in this and, you know, I, I, you know, I, I was so attached to that investment. Yeah then I'm allowing, I'm being, I'm being driven down a train track, mm. you know, not adapting to the, I'm, I'm waiting for the outside world to adapt to me. So really, you know, the, the decision has been made that we are going to downsize to capitalize and really get, get to a bigger audience by reaching um, our audience online through our, through our um, online training programs, through the talks I've been doing anyway for the corporates. Yeah. So yeah, it's, it's, I'm really excited. Exciting times. Yeah. 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 So everyone watching on the live, this is Ollie Ollerton, uh, and he was previously on SASU Day at Dares Wins. We might talk about that. That might be question one. Can we? <laughs> yeah, can we? <laughs> Author of Battle Ready, Breaking Point, Scar Tissue. Um, which one's the most current, Ollie? Just quickly before. Well, listen, the, the Scar Tissue is the, my first step into fiction. And that's your latest release? That is the latest release, yeah. yeah. And the, the sequel to that is out in November. It's called All or Nothing. So, yeah, yeah. really exciting. But although it's a fiction book, uh, the only... Um, initially, I didn't want to do fiction because I'm, like, so driven to, like, get the word out there and help from my experience to help others, which is what we should all do. Um, and fiction for me was like, why would I do that? You know, it's, it's detracting from my, from my sort of my focus. Yeah. But it's not. Storytelling is such an awesome vehicle to get the message to people. And some people prefer that in a story than, you know, an actual book saying X, Y, Z, you know, self-development books. People, some people don't enjoy that. So mm. the fact of having a fiction book, which really does sort of have the heartbeat in my life anyway, but has really got that positive message. So, yeah, I'm excited about Scar Tissue. All or Nothing is the next one. It's part of a three-book um, uh, three deal. So this, there'll be another one after that one. But I do, you know what? I've got a passion at the moment, and I think it's such a needed, um, you know, needed for that market is, is to to do a book similar to Battle Ready, self development for kids. Yeah, that is where I'm pushing at the moment. Yeah, to really get to the source, and, mm. and really start helping kids as they grow up. Yeah. So, which I think would help on the opposite end. You yeah, know? for sure. So, you know, that's that's the focus now to do another book. Great. So it wasn't an easy answer, was it? Uh, it's never is, is it? It doesn't matter. We, we haven't yet got to question one. But the, normally uh, the most fun we have is when we, you know, we're not yeah. really on script. But I do want to ask because yeah. the reason I want to ask is because I want to hear it from you because you read stuff all the time yeah. and yada yada. And I'm always a believer. You hear it from the source. So was it true you were axed from SAS Who Dares Wins? Was it true it was for, for diversity reasons? And if so, what did you feel about that? 
Mm. Well, listen, the answer to your question, yes, I was axed. Um, secondly, I was told it was for diversity. You know, that's, that's, that was the, uh, the explanation given to the, um, given to the press from Channel 4. Um, and it's clear, I mean, no disrespect to the new guy that's in there, but that clearly looks like that, that has happened. So, yeah. uh, so yeah, that's happened. And, um, listen, I, I, I go back to that moment. You know what? It was downstairs. I can remember the very day because I knew something wasn't right. I knew something wasn't right. And I got that phone call because we knew that all of us, all four of us were told that we're going to have a phone call that day. Right. Or definitely me, Billy and uh, Foxy. And I didn't know what it was about, but for some reason I had it in the back of my head. I just knew it. But, and when I got the message, you know, it's like, Ollie, Channel 4 decided X, Y, Z. I just smiled. I literally just smiled. And I said in my head, as I, I wasn't even listening to the words. I laughed at myself and went, you got what you wish for. You got exactly what you wish for. And I'm a big... You did or they did. did. Yeah, yeah. I did. What did you wish for? But the thing is, it wasn't a case of wishing. Like, you can't fool the universe. You can't fool your underlying drive. It's like a relationship, right? There's so many people out there in, in messed up relationships that mean nothing at all to them whatsoever. That could be a relationship with work, but I'm, I'm, I'm referring more to the fact of a relationship with the person. Yeah. Using that as an, an, an analogy, but basically it's like a relationship. Although you think, oh, well, I'll just keep it going because there might be kids involved. There might, you know, I'll just keep it going anyway because it's a lot easier than pulling the pin yeah. and having that short term discomfort. Yeah. Um, people will just happily accept the discomfort. You know, that's the way that we're wired. That's everything I actually talk about. You know, that is breakpoint. Yeah. So for me, when I looked at that, I wasn't happy in my. In my mind, I wasn't happy. I wasn't happy doing that show. I used to go away and it almost, for me, it was like. It's Rob again, and I have an exciting announcement to make to you, my podcast listeners. So I wrote in my book, Life Leverage, about leveraging time. And let's be honest, no one is getting less busy. Maybe you listen to podcasts now on two times speed. Maybe you 2X and 3X audio books. We now got two times speed on WhatsApp messages. And it's for this reason that I absolutely love Blinkist. And it's for two reasons. Reason number one is, if there's a book you want to listen to, but it's eight hours long, you can go on Blinkist and get the 15 minute summary to then decide if you're going to invest eight hours in a book. Reason number two is, the 15 minute summaries on Blinkist are really good. And if you don't want to go deep on a book, and there's loads of other books in your library that you haven't listened to yet, you can blink them and listen to the 15 minute summaries. I also like Blinkist because I can inform myself in bite-sized chunks and times. Listen to Blinkist in the car, listen to Blinkist in the gym. If I've got a busy day, I can always squeeze in one or two books on Blinkist. So right now, Blinkist has a very special offer just for my audience, you listeners on The Disruptive Entrepreneur. So if you go to Blinkist.com forward slash Rob, you can start a seven-day free trial and get 25% off a Blinkist premium membership. So it's Blinkist, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T, Blinkist.com forward slash Rob, get 25% off and a seven-day trial. I only ever recommend people and companies I personally use. I love Blinkist with the changing world and the massive information. So go to Blinkist.com forward slash Rob. I was going away and I wasn't, I felt like it was dead time. 
you know, I was going away. I was away filming up in Scotland for six weeks or whatever it was or wherever we were. And not always from the start. You know, the start, it was an amazing opportunity. Uh, always has been. I'll always appreciate that. Be humble. But when it got to that point and I was away, I was like thinking my business is suffering. Yeah. You know, my focus has never been to be a celebrity. You know, I, I still struggle with that. Um, Why do you struggle with that? Well, I just don't like, the, I don't, I don't like that, the fact that I'm referred to as a celebrity. Because I know I am, and that's, that's fair enough. But me personally, whether you, you call me what you want, I'm sure I've got a few names. But um, <laughs> I, just for me, there's a lot more depth. You know, I use the TV as a stepping stone for this. Yeah. I use the TV as a stepping stone for, um, to, to create exposure. And it's been brilliant for that. Absolutely. So I do appreciate that. But the thing is, my soul was, telling, my soul was not aligned to that opportunity anymore. Why not? Because it just, my heart wasn't in it. Yeah. I was doing it because it gave me the exposure. I look at it now and I think I'd have never gone to them and said, look, I'm, I've had enough. You know, mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk out. I just don't think, you know, it would have taken a lot for me to do that. Yeah. And that's the problem, isn't it? We're, we're quite happy. When there's a golden egg there, you know, it's, it's paying you half de decent money and it's giving you that exposure. Mm. That is a strong call to make. Yeah. And, uh, uh, but again, for me... You know, if, if I did that at some point, that is the, everything we talk about in Breakpoint. You know, you can't see the first, you can't see how that opportunity is actually holding you back. Mm. And that's what it was doing for me. You know, I don't want to be referred to as the bloke from the SAS because it was a part of my life. I'm very proud of it, but it's not the, the be all and end all. I've done a lot more, yeah. you know, a lot more. And I don't, you know, for me, I want to be, I want to be that person that, um, you know, is, is, aligned to my mission statement. It's yeah. about helping other people through my experiences. You know, I'm, I'm not, don't sit there looking at the benchmarks of my life, which are in the past and go, look how cool, you know, it, I did that. It was, it was a great achievement, yeah. but it's that way. It's ahead of me. I'm looking forward, not looking back, I'm mm. not focused on the benchmark of the past. So for me, it was a natural evolution for me to step aside from that. And then all of a sudden, or, or it was going on at the same time, the, the Australian version was kicking off. Right. Now, for me, which has been absolutely brilliant, I love being a part of that because it's a brand new thing. Um, you know, it's a real partnership with the production and us, and we get to uh, invest a lot of our input. Um, but for me, if I could not run a business or run a few businesses, have SAS UK and SAS Australia. No. It just wouldn't work. So it looked like one made room for the other. Exactly, exactly. And it was, yeah. it, for me, it was definitely a, a step up the ladder as opposed to down. So something you picked up in there I want to talk about because I've, ex I've experienced a lot of this in the last couple of years of my life, and that is our tendency as human beings to do something that's not right now Ultimately, because we're avoiding the big pain it will cause us if we make that bold or right decision. And you've written about it in your book. But surely we all know in our heart that if we make that right, intuitive, bold decision, yes, you'll pull the pin and you'll get the explosion. But then all of that long term, 10 or 20 year or 50 year worth of pain, like you, you could easily stay in here for another five or 10 years and mm. ride it out. But, you know, you need to travel the world and build your brand globally. So how can we talk about helping people? make harder decisions now so it's easier later instead of easier decisions now so it's hard later? I think the bottom line, it's a great question as well, Rob, and it's everything we stand for here, is we were absolutely designed to thrive in struggle. 
Okay, we th we we thrive in struggle. We need struggle. You know, as soon as things become, as soon as we become comfortable with the discomfort of something, we're in the dangerous ground. You've got nothing big enough pulling you through. You get bogged down in the shitty detail. Um, so really, I think first of all, you have to do a few things because you have to really be honest with yourself where you are right now. Are you happy? If you're not happy, then something definitely needs to be done. And I do believe as well that, you know, 100% that we are, we should be naturally, or we should be evolving constantly, always constantly. Well, it's our nature, isn't it? I mean, well, that, absolutely. And if we resist that, how can you resist yeah. nature? Well, that's when people, you know, a lot of people can't understand why they've got mental health issues. They can't understand why they're not satisfied. They can't understand why they're uneasy. And it's because they've got no struggle. Mm. You know, so I think really, you know, you've got to understand as well that nothing good comes from, I mean, there's always going to be some kind of struggle. There's going to be some kind of fight for you to, to change direction of where you are. And another thing I'll say, and this is kind of one of these um, phrases or one of these sort of uh, quotes that came to me, and I can, we can talk about that today. This is when I actually went over, because since we met, I went over to Costa Rica uh, to an ayahuasca uh, retreat. Oh, you went down that road? Yeah. Right, let's, get, let's go there right now. You <laughs> opened up your we third did. eye, did you? And all yeah, that. no, absolutely. absolutely. Wow. There was a, a number of eyes that opened up. <laughs> <laughs> but um, the ayahuasca experience, I mean, for me, that fits into that. I, I, for, for some reason, I had this notepad at, for, from one of the sessions, and the stuff was just rolling out. There's a lot of it in battle ready, actually. But pain screams the loudest when it's dying. And people have got yes. to understand that, that pain screams the loudest. When something's dying, when something is, is, is you're going, you're changing, you're evolving, it's going to scream the loudest. Yeah. And to put that into context, it's like a relationship. You know that relationship's not right, but you, and then you get the courage to pull the pin, it's going to scream the loudest. Yeah. Sometimes literally and physically, mm. isn't it? You know, mm. your partner's going to, you know, there's going to be that fight, there's going to be that horrendous sort of moment when you, you decide to actually, you know, sometimes it's amicable, but yeah. a lot of the times it's that, you know, that pain screams the loudest when it's dying, when something is about to change, when you're going to change that path, go, go into new territory, expect there to be noise and bangs and, yeah. you know, and, and discomfort, extreme discomfort. But I think that you can only do that and have the commitment to do that. Again, I, I talk about relationship because whoever's watching this can relate to a relationship. You know, um, you've got to know where you're going. Mm. You've got hundred percent got to have clarity on where you're going. That comes into the whole goal thing. Everything I do has always been that goals, goals, goals. Yeah. You've got to know where you're going. And if you don't know where you're going, then you're basically in a repeat cycle of yesterday. You're mm. just doing the same things day in, day out because you've got nothing bigger pulling you through. So really, it's, it takes a bit of time to sit down and really understand what you want out of life. I think, you know, the best advice I'd have for anyone, and I think this, it starts with this. You can't get anywhere or do anything or achieve anything that really suits who you are beyond the facade unless you control or understand what your ego is all about. You know, if you can't control your ego, you can't recognise it when it's flaring up, you're never going to get anywhere. You know, it's like people build businesses from an ego standpoint. You know, they get the business cards and the website and everything done before they're even, even operating. You know, so they can say, oh, look, I've got a business, all this, that and the other, yeah. before they even understand what they're going to do to turn over the revenue. Yeah. You know, so really, I think in every facet of our life, if people can't control that ego, they're always going to be play to, uh, playing to build a perception of something they want other people to see.
and that is the wrong energy. Mm. The energy has to be all about you. And this really goes into one of my reflections on that ayahuasca journey. One of the major things, I mean, it was, it was a very... Can we come to that in one moment? Yeah, 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 yeah. I love that you brought up ego. Mm. Um, so if you had to pick one enemy, what would it be? Ego or complacency? What's the worst enemy out of those two? <sighs> ego for me. Really? Well, it's an ego. Can ego be a driving force if controlled? If controlled, but if you haven't got control on it, yeah. If 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 you allow me to control it, if I'm allowed to control it, because you don't get rid of it. Yeah, it's there. It's there for a reason. You know, it's it, as long as you can control it, then then complacency isn't, isn't complacency like death. It can be in certain situations. Can't yeah, it? yeah. Taking things for granted isn't that? The, yeah. When you take something for granted, bang, you're going to get big time feedback. Yeah. Because there was a book called Ego is the Enemy by, yeah. um, and I it was Ryan that. Holiday. Yes, that was it. I just, just wonder if complacency is more of an enemy. That's a reflection I've been yeah. having. No, I think, I think it is definitely more of an enemy, but as long as you can control that yeah. ego. Yeah. Yeah. So How do you control your ego then? You've got to recognise it's an emotion. You know what I mean? You need to be an emotional observer. Otherwise, yeah. you become a victim of your emotions when it comes to fear, aggression, any kind of emotion. Yeah. So really, you know, so ego, Separating yourself from your emotion. You are not your emotion. Exactly. I yeah. will say, you know, you've got a fast-flowing river in front of you. That's your emotions. You have to learn to stand on the bank. Right. I like that analogy, yeah. You know what I mean? And that's all those emotions going, and then you, you pick and choose which emotions to align with in that situation. I mean, it's, it's the same for me. Sometimes I walk down the street and sometimes my ego wants to get recognised. Yeah. And I know that is so far from who I am. Yeah. And I'm like, shut the fuck up. Yeah. You know, that is not you. It's my <laughs> yeah. ego. And, I, say, and I, tell, I physically tell myself in my head, yeah. stand in the fucking corner. You are not needed in this situation. Yeah. You know, but it's, it's just ridiculous. But, you know, it's... it's but isn't it also, aren't you allowed to enjoy that moment? Yeah, you are. You are allowed to enjoy it, but there's a level of it. You know, yeah. I think that you controlling it, you know, I think coming across, not because you're forcing it, but being humble yeah. is so much... It's about building rapport, isn't it? Because you've got someone whose ego is out of control, yeah. then they're just not nice to be around. You know, mm. it's all about... It then feeds into um, uh, narcissism, doesn't yeah. it? Um, but yeah, I think controlling your ego, you know, is, is just such a, you know, I always say, to, I say to myself, you know, and you know, I, I'm not ego. I have got an ego. I said to myself, Ollie, how, what would you buy? What cars would you buy? How would you dress if you were the only person on this planet? Because I tell you now, I probably wouldn't naked. Have, yeah, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think some people would probably go naked. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> anyway, yeah. But, um, you know, would I have six motorbikes? Would I, you know, I saw these yeah. possessions. Would I have Land Rovers? The, what, what car would I drive? Panerai. Panerai. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it's like, and then I think it's a good question to ask yourself. Mm. What, how would you dress? How would you, you know, and everything. I think, you know, we learn this. This is, goes back into childhood, sort of, uh, you know, the, the inner, inner child, doesn't it? You know, that's when the ego is formed about nine years old, so wow, they man. say. Yeah. You know, when you start living because you want, you know, I, I feel it's in line with you trying to build an identity for yourself. Also, the ego is there. You know, a lot of the time I ask myself, what's the fucking point of the ego then? It, it sounds like it's got nothing good to offer. Yeah. But, you know, the ego, you know... But driving force can come from ego, driving can't force it? And wanting to be the best exactly. and be competitive. And that is the purpose. Yeah. That is the purpose of ego. And you've got to understand that. And, but, you know, with everything, you've got to learn that you, you have got to be in control of it. You know, we're, we're born into this skin 
as amazing human beings. No one gives us a manual. No one gives us any kind of direction. We're influenced by the people around us. That can be good. That can be bad. Um, you know, we're influenced by the things we see on the TV, the wars, mm. this, that and the other. You know, that's where the programming all starts. You then go to a programming centre, which is called a school. Yeah. You know, or a deprogramming centre. Yeah, exactly. A deprogramming <laughs> yeah. centre, you know, where you're being um, basically um, deprogrammed for society. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's really about learning to, to, to understand how we tick, you know, and that's everything I talk about in the books from Breakpoint to Battle Ready. Who are we? What yeah. are we? I always say, you know, you can't, a mechanic can't fix a car, can't fix any kind of engine, get it running to the best of its ability until he understands how it works. Mm. You know, when he understands how it works, he can tune it, he can get it right, performing better than it's, it was, you know, than the standard version. Yeah. But if you don't know, you're, you're, you're sort of pacing through life confused. Mm. You don't even know you're confused. It's that confused. But yeah, and, on, yeah. and on that matrix you've just opened up, let's talk about ayahuasca then. <laughs> yeah. God, yeah. I'm I mean, fascinated about this. I considered it yeah. a few years ago. I decided not to do it. Tell mm. us your experience. Yeah, I mean, for me... And why uh, did you do it? Why did I do it? Because I did it for, there was a few reasons. I was, I, I just know how my life works. And, it, you know, some of the, we call, some people would call coincidences, the way things work in my life, because I have got my shit together and I feel I am aligned now. I know as soon as I put something out there, it will come to me if it's the right thing. And I can remember I had a, an, a, a former girlfriend when I was living out in Australia. She was a psychologist, thank because that saved me a fortune. <laughs> yeah, free therapy. Um, yeah, That's yeah. A good strategy. Yeah. So she's, um, you know, I, I, I was still in touch with um, with Nat, and she was getting into looking at sort of those type of therapies, ayahuasca, DMT for PTSD. Oh wow, yeah. Uh, and have an amazing success, and she kept saying, "Look, you need to, you need to have a look at this." So anyway, I kind of, um, and I was intrigued, very intrigued by that as well. I mean, someone telling me that, you know, you don't, we don't use all of the capacity of our brain, et cetera, et cetera. There is so much more, so much, many, uh, many more depths to it. And ayahuasca is the release for that, um, was something that compels me massively. Um, and um, I'll have to say that, that the point I decided to go and take ayahuasca, it wasn't because I knew there was a massive problem or I, you know, it wasn't about because I was I was in a half decent place, but I still know that, that you know I had massive childhood trauma from the chimp attack and all that kind of thing. So it's something I've never dealt with. Something I've never dealt with is is the chimp attack. And you know what we do when it comes to traumatic events. I mean, childhood trauma is the worst trauma. Well, some of the worst trauma that's out there um, because it's so deep seated. And what we naturally do as a defense mechanism, we lock that away. You know, that's a survival technique that we. Mm. Uh, we're wired to have we lock that intimate trauma away that's okay in the first instant because it gets you over that hurdle initially but you can't keep it locked away you've got to deal with it at some point if you don't deal with it it's gonna you know I look back now and that chimp attack is responsible for so much of my life so I mean you know the destructive parts of my life you know probably some, a lot of good parts as well but you know it had massive influence on my life and I'd never dealt with it and um you know, I talked about it in Breakpoint when I actually came back and it was almost, I bumped into a guy that I used to serve with who um, was over in Afghanistan and they was trying to get vehicles, couldn't get them. And he ended up bumping into this guy. I think we talked about this on the last podcast. Mm. You know, he bumped into this guy that wouldn't give him the vehicles out in Afghanistan. And then he asked if he, if, if he knew a guy called Ollie Ollerton. And he's like, Ollie's my best mate. <laughs> 
So, uh, and he asked this guy, you know, this is some 30 years later. I asked this guy, how do you know Ollie? And he was like, oh, well, he got bit by a chimp um, when we were kids together. So anyway, that led into a further conversation. They got given all the vehicles because of that situation. But for me, when he came back and told me that, I look back now and I think that was a reminder for me to tell me I had there was unfinished business. Right, yeah. That was the thing for me. I was like, what? You know, because I think it's so important that we do that. When, when we meet anyone, when I meet you, when I meet you, when I meet yourself, Rob, when I meet anyone down the street, I ask myself straight away. I don't just brush it off. Why did I meet that person? Mm. I analyse that situation. Why did that situation just happen? Is there anything? Sometimes there's not. Yeah. But it, what, is there something to take from that? Because I don't believe in coincidence. There is no such thing as coincidence. coincidence. Yeah. You know, and all these, some of these things happen in your life and you, and you brush it off with coincidence. I don't do that anymore. You yeah. know, I look at it and why has that happened? And that for me was, was this unfinished business. So um, when the whole thing, I put it out there, you know, I wanted to, to look into going to try ayahuasca. All of a sudden on Instagram, a company an organization called the Heroic Hearts Project, which is a US-based company, got in touch and said, Ollie, do you want to come? Would you be interested in coming on? If you love to travel like me and you understand the power in escaping the money for time exchange trap, but you just don't know how to do it, then building an Airbnb consultancy business could be exactly what you have been looking for. Right now in the UK, there is a completely untapped opportunity through helping struggling Airbnb hosts by turning around their underperforming properties and generating you huge commission payments in the process. We are going to teach you all of the tools and all of the techniques that we've learned over the last five years through building our very own multiple six-figure Airbnb business, arming you with everything that you need to swoop in and save the day. Minimal startup costs, zero risk, and almost unlimited potential. Sound good? Welcome to the Airbnb Consultant. Contact us through any of the channels included in the studio notes to get the conversation started. An ayahuasca retreat to Costa Rica, and I was just like, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I'm just in London over the next couple of days from the US. You know, can you meet up? Fortunately, I was in London that two days, which is, you know, not a, not a regular occurrence. So all the all the stars were lining up, so to speak. Met him, and and that was it. You know, I was on my way to Costa Rica with a load of other veterans from all over the world. You know, some with very deep and dark stories. Yeah. And, um, you know, so really for me, I wanted to go out, out there, experience, I wanted to see what it could do for me, you know, self-improvement, self or, or, and, and development. We, a lot of people only find it because something really bad has happened in their life. So, you know, they, they've reached rock bottom, which happened for me. And um, that's when they find it. And the problem I'd made in the past with that, because it's not the first time, you know, there was a monumental, uh, you know, hit, hitting rock bottom, but I'd done, I'd, I'd hit rock, rock bottom before. Then you sort of, start to improve, you get to a plateau of feeling okay, and you're like, I don't need that anymore. You stop. And then all of a sudden, it's a roller coaster. You're back into it. Mm. Self-improvement, self-development is a constant. Yeah. You can't think it's just something. It's not like a fad diet. Oh, I'll just do a bit here, do a bit there when it's needed. You know, you've got to remain constant with it. And if you choose not to, then when you start querying and asking questions why you're having issues further down the track, and that's the reason why. Yeah. Because you're not investing in this. Yeah. You know, regardless of how much you train and in the gym, and et cetera, this is the this way you need to do the gym work. Mm. So anyway, for me going out there, it was it was about spreading that message. 
this experience, how can I get that out there to other people that need it? Yeah. Through me experiencing it, you know, I think mm. I think it's it's like everything I, I do. I won't. It's like why I used to do or do a lot of the stunts on SAS because I don't want to st stand there gobbing off about what people have to do. I'll lead by example and do it. Yeah. And that was very much ayahuasca for me. So we went over there, Costa Rica, an amazing place called Soltara, and um, we were there for nine days. And I think there was four ceremonies, which um, was interesting. The first day you do a thing called purging. So that's really about cleansing the system. I think it's, it's not lime. It's, uh, yes, it's, what's the like bamboo, lemon, lime? Use it in Asian cooking. Uh, I can't even fry an egg, mate. So. <laughs> <Can't you? laughs> that's funny. Um, it'll come back to me anyway. But yeah. um, basically you drink this stuff until you, and you make yourself sick of it. You just keep on drinking and drinking and drinking. It's called purging. And then you bring up everything that's in your stomach. You know, you're supposed to, before you go on to an ayahuasca retreat, you stop, um, you stop having sex two weeks before, at least two weeks Fuck before. Right, <laughs> <laughs> no way am I doing that? Yeah, I know, that's, that's turned off about 80% yeah. of the market. I <laughs> know, oh, that, was, that was hard. But, you know, if you drink, you've got to stop drinking. You've got to go in there extremely cleansed before wow. you can actually take that ayahuasca because you've yeah. got to get, the, you know, to get the most from it and also because of the health... You know, you know, it can be dangerous if yeah. you, not because, not the sex bit, but yeah. you know, you, you diet especially. Um, so there's, there's a lot of prep. You go there, then you purge, and then you go into your first ceremony. And I can remember, I mean, at the end of the day, for anyone that doesn't know, it's, it's a, a hallucinogenic. Yeah. Highly hallucinogenic. And uh, we sat in this big place called a Maloka. You know, we met all the other veterans and everyone sort of got their own, the, the mats. We did this, the first one, it's open, so it's right in the jungle. And um, you're in this maloco and you've got the, the shaman that are in the middle. You go up and you go to the shaman. You actually say, you have to have an intention. You meet the shaman beforehand. They say, what, what do you want to achieve from this? And um, I went and said, look, I want to make sure that I don't, because one thing for me, I'm, I am scared of the person I used to be. Who is you know, that person? Someone that is totally destructive and, you know, and has no compassion or care for anything, you know, and that, when I was drinking heavily and just bouncing all over the world, just creating mayhem, um, you know, that was the person I don't ever want to be again. Yeah. So I just want to make sure that is ready. You know, if something, I don't think, I don't think it was, but I was trying, I was scrabbling, you know, sort of scratching for something that meant something. It was like to get away from that self-destruct button. I don't, yeah. I don't even want to know where it is. So I sort of said, look, I want to make sure that self-destruct button is never there again. And, you know, I can never go. And also I'd like, you know, I think there's some unfinished business with the chimp. And I never thought I'd ever, you know, that was just, well, that's not going to happen, is it? Yeah. So anyway, we went into that first session. And the first session, they just give you a taster. You know, they want to sort of judge where everyone's at. So for me, I was quite deflated on that first one. I was like, yeah, I felt something, but wasn't quite sure. So the next day, they up the dose. Holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> Holy shit. And, it, you know, straight away, you know, I, I was sat bolt upright you know you can lie down but i was sat bolt upright and i was uh, in very much a similar position to this now and then all the geometry starts and just the whole place changes the noises and everything and it's just it's incredible it's absolutely incredible you you just your senses you become alive you can hear noises that you couldn't hear you know from the jungle you can hear all the animals you can hear everything you can hear every leaf moving it is just incredible it's so powerful and um, it, when I look back now, it's, it's, it is comical, you know, initially I wanted to bring a film crew out to, to do, and I'm so glad I never. 
<laughs> because this is like I was stood there on, you know, I sat there on the mat and then next thing I was like closing my eyes and drifting off and going places in my mind. You know, it's almost like you've got different doorways to go down and there was like some doors, some things I didn't want to, you know, they were too heavy to deal with. But, you know, the doorway opened and all of a sudden I found myself as the 10 year old boy. Wow. 10 year old boy in the circus ground with the chimp in front of me. And I was actually in, I could feel it was so real. It was unbelievable. And I could see the chimp in front of me, the baby chimp. And um, I thought, oh shit, shit. I could feel how powerful this was. And one thing, which is a really hard thing for people like us, especially in the military and for humans in general, is surrender. It's just not a word that we're accustomed to, to accepting. But one thing with ayahuasca, you have to surrender to it, stop fighting it. You know, when I eventually sort of allowed it just to start flowing, I allowed this scenario to play out in my mind. It was all in my mind. And, you know, and I thought, oh, God, I'm going to about to get attacked. Did you know it was in your mind? Did you have a perception that it wasn't real or was it just like it was real? It was like it was real. Yeah. It was right. absolutely like it was real. And even if not, you know, what is the difference? Yeah. I just didn't, you know, the reality and... There was no sort of... Yeah. Oh, Sorry was, to interrupt you. No, no, a, not at all. Yeah. There was, no, it's a good question, but it, it didn't... It felt... It's, it's like you could not escape from it. You can't escape from it. Once, you know, you, if you try and fight it, it just turns mm. into a very traumatic event. That's yeah. how I perceive it anyway. But I became, the, you know, that, that 10-year-old boy at the circus that day, and I was like thinking, Fuck, I'm, I'm going back to the... You know, it was, I was like blown away by it. And... I can remember looking down at the chimp and the next thing I heard the roar that I heard at 10 years old, you know, the roar of the animal, the mother of this baby chimp. And straight away I looked in the background in the darkness and there was the chimp. And I thought, shit, I'm going to get attacked now. You know, this all happened and I, feel, I felt every emotion and everything, you know, I could feel the hair on my head. It was just like in that moment. And then suddenly I looked at the chimp and it was so bizarre. I started looking at the chimp and the more I looked at the chimp, you're going to laugh at this. I became the chimp. Right, wow. And before I knew it, honestly, I was on my mat on the, in the Maloka and I'd, I'd got, come off the mat, I was right on the edge. And I started and I stood up like this and then I'm like that. <laughs> and I'm going, fuck, and I'm trying to fight it. And then I'm saying, don't fight it, just allow it to go, allow it to go. And I'm like, it's, it's, it was crazy. And I'm like, I was going in my, you know, that sort of, your conscience was saying, oh, you becoming a, yeah, it was bizarre. Before I knew it, I was becoming the chimp. And I looked down at my arms and went, oh my fucking God, this is ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> we should have had the film crew, that would have been great. It was ridiculous, I'm there and I'm like, and it's before I knew it, I'm in the chimp. And honestly, I could feel where, it was that real, I could feel where the chimp had been lying down, lazing in the sunny afternoon. I could feel the leaves dropping off my back, where the leaves and all the stuff from the floor was just dropping off my back. And then all the hairs, I could feel all the hairs all over my body all coming out. Wow. And it was just mad. It was almost like this sort of, um, uh, like going into attack mode, you know. But then I looked, it was crazy. I looked through the chimp's, um, through the chimp's eyes and it was like a cyber chimp, you know. It was almost like, you know, when you see Terminator, it's called, got all the red readout and, mm. you know, all the... I was looking at me then and I was stood there as a 10-year-old boy and it was threat, threat, threat. Yeah. And it was just, I was going through that whole, war, you know, getting ready for war and I was, and I, actually in the Maloka, people told me afterwards, you were there and you were roaring like, as the chimp, like, mega vocal. Yeah. And I was ready to attack me. Right. But then that took me, you know, I thought all that was going to happen 
And one thing that I was really fighting against out of anything, I was accepting it, but I was fighting against that attack. I wouldn't allow it in. I would not allow it in. So it kind of diverted, that experience diverted a bit and it started then. I've always gone on about that situation being a, I'm the victim, I'm the victim. And this is what we do, don't we? Assume I'm the victim, poor me, I was there. And da, 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 da. all of a sudden I was the chimp. I entered the chimp's arena that day. It didn't ask me to turn up. And all of a sudden I started to feel massive compassion for that animal. I then became, it took me out of being the victim which really has helped me massively. It took me out from being the victim and allowed me to be part of the, the environment as, a, as, as opposed to being the focus of it. And it really helped me understand that this creature was doing what any creature, whether it's human or whatever, is always going to do, protect its young. You know, I was the alien. I was the one that was in the wrong that day. And that whole situation, that whole experience, that first ayahuasca experience was that moment when it was just like compassion. It was all compassion, compassion, compassion. But that then led me into all aspects of my life, everything, that whole experience. You know, I didn't go into the attack. I managed to fight that off. I didn't want to go there. And that has always been the problem. That's where I needed to deal with. And then that took me out of that situation. I started then thinking about all the people that I love and the people around me, my wife, and the fact that she's got a little boy. And regardless of the business, and I put a lot of pressure on her in the past, regardless of the business, regardless of everything, regardless of me, William is, is her number one priority. And I started having so much more compassion for that, you know, where I've probably been a bit complacent and not, you know, kind of brushed that off in the past. You know, I'm always putting pressure, what have you done today? Da, 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 you know? And it really gave me a slap around the face. Yeah. Big time. So that was that first experience. Then we went into a second experience. No, sorry, this was then the third one the next night. And the one thing that I'd been, I thought, you know, we talk, you then have, a, you know, you talk, you have a massive debrief. It goes on for hours with everyone's experiences, which is great. It's great to hear other people's stories. And, um, and then that night we went back in. I thought, oh, yeah, my work's done with the chimp. I'm still in my head avoiding the, the trauma. Yeah. I'm avoiding that intimate trauma, which I need to deal with. I don't want to go back there. I don't want to do that. Ayahuasca will go where it's needed, not where you want it. Yeah. So that night, straight back in. You know, I went up, went and saw the shaman, and I said, look, I want to give me a little bit more tonight. Um, and I asked, he said, you've got to say before you take the ayahuasca what you want to achieve, what, you know, and I said, thank you for this drink, blah, 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 blah. And I want to please ayahuasca, give me the direction of where I need to go in my life. And again, I'm diverting from where I needed to go. Yeah. Ayahuasca's like that, yeah, you take that, I'll, I'll show you where you need to go. <laughs> <laughs> So anyway, there I am again. I'm like straight back in, wow. straight back into the 10 year old boy. And the thing I'd been steering away from trying to deal with is that intimate attack. And it happened. That really? intimate attack. Yeah. And it was, it was not nice. It was, it was, it was pretty shocking to be honest, because I went through every emotion, you know, I've looked back on that experience and, and that's what our bodies learned to, that's what our minds learned to do. We, we close off that intimate trauma. I felt that trauma. You know, it wasn't, you know, that experience when I look back prior to ayahuasca was the fact that I had a fight with a chimp. <laughs> I just had a fight with a chimp, nothing really. I was in that experience and I actually went back to what happened. What happened in that moment, I was screaming, I was terrified. I was shouting for my, mom, my parents, mum and dad, whatever. I was in, I was going to die. And I went through that emotion. I went back through that emotion. And I can remember I actually, in that moment, I then was fighting and fighting and fighting and, you know, fighting against this chimp. And then all of a sudden my head said, 
what would happen if you'd not fought that day? And this will sound quite out there to some people, but this is the power of ayahuasca. In that moment, I stopped fighting. And I lay down and I died in that moment. I, I can always remember that. I lay down, I can remember opening my eyes and I saw my wife there, lay next to me. And I stroked her face and said, everything's gonna be okay, come with me. And then I went into the, um, the afterlife, call it whatever you want, and it was absolute heaven. It was like the noise and everything. I then became spirit and not a physical being. And it was unbelievable. I didn't want to leave there. But I did. I came back out. And, um, and then I sort of went back into the... the I had, had, the, had the experience of the attack that had gone through, that had finished. And then you start to have this massive reflection. You know, it's reflection about the situation, everything that's just happened. And for me, I was like, ah, it was, Ollie, stop fighting. And I realised since that... Experiences a 10-year report. I've been fighting all my life. And I don't mean in wars. I don't mean in the military. I've been fighting. Relationships, authority, everything. Everything I've been fighting. And it was stop fighting. You know, it was such a powerful experience for me. Such, there was so much that got resolved. And then, um, you know, also as part of that reflection over the two sessions, those two major sessions, like you have, <laughs> I call it, the first one is getting on board the plane. Yeah. The two, the two in the middle, mid-flight, and then the last one is they bring the plane down to land. And mm. So there's two sessions for me. Massive amount of that was reflection on us as human beings, how much energy, and this is fueled by social media, how much energy we put into being someone we're not. We're building the perception. We put so much energy into that person, the perception of someone that we want everyone else to see that is the, um, something of perfection. Everyone's out there to some degree, some more than others, faking perfection. We become the byproduct of the person we've created. And that is a dangerous place to be. You've got to really pull yourself back from that. The person in the corner crying, that's the real you. you know, but people are ha quite happy to compromise their own well-being, their own health in some circumstances, extreme circumstances, to make sure the picture looks attractive. Mm. You know, we put so much energy, everything into that. And I think that there's a level of that. But you, again, like we talked about ego before, you've got to manage that. You know, there'll always be the same for me, but, you know, through my, throughout my books and everything, I will, I'm as honest as, as I can be. You know, when I do stuff on Instagram now, you know, I don't do it because I think, oh, what? you know, and I, this makes me laugh as well. A lot of people, you know, I go outdoors a lot, you know, and there is an element I've had to sort of really control it. We start getting to this sort of modus operandi of how would this look for social media? People are doing stuff for social media because it's creating content as, as opposed to enjoying it. You know what I mean? People need to really start to create that separation between what's real and what's not. And I think if you get lost in that world and we end up living through our phones, we're not going to be a happy person when we're, when we're on our deathbed. People have seen those clips, seen the, you know, about people on their deathbeds wishing they'd have done something different. Don't be that person. You know, and I think we need, really need to have some kind of mind management program to make sure that we're maximizing our potential. Mm. I know I detracted a little bit there. That's all right, that's question one. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that, I was really in that. Yeah. I was really in that experience. So thank you for yeah. sharing that. That's amazing. Um, a couple of things that popped out for me. Could you, you, you talked a lot about both in your books and in your um, ayahuasca, ayahuasca experience, essentially, 
overcoming trauma or dealing with events that you've locked away. Mm. Could you on a practical level without the need for ayahuasca share how people can deal with their trauma because you've seen it loads of times in your life? 100% another great question, Rob. You've thought about these, haven't you? <laughs> <laughs> i tell you what, this is, I'm so glad you brought this up because there's so much stuff out there, social media, Instagram, all this, it's all about positivity. It's all about positivity. They think you can slap a Band-Aid on a bullet wound. You can't. You know what I mean? It's not just all about positivity. Let's break that down a bit, okay? You imagine like some, some massive traumatic event, probably someone's died, whatever it is. You can't just go, just be positive, mate. Oh, I'm positive now. Everything's brilliant. You have to deal with that situation. You have to understand the source of what the issue is. Because if you just try and be blasé and be complacent, mm. you are never going to deal with that trauma. In fact, you're going to make it worse. So really, you know, you don't have to go to an ayahuasca retreat. You're right. And, 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 and I suggest everyone does if they want, you know, if, that, if, they, if they believe in sort of alternative I don't know why we call it alternative. I want to address that. Yeah. <laughs> Makes me laugh that, you know, pharmaceuticals are natural and natural stuff is alternative anyway. Mm. Um, but, you know, I think when it comes to trauma and things like that, you have to get to the source of what the issue is. It, it is about doing that and appreciating where you are 100% and being positive when you're in there and not being blasé and just going, oh, just be positive. That is the biggest and worst advice. Yeah. Um, you, can, you can get. So really, you know, get to the source of what the issue is. With everything in life, honestly, you've got to get to the source. Of one, like I talked to you before about, you know, I want to start working with children through a book and through actual experiences. Get to the source of the problem because if you're dealing on the upper fringes of anything, you're never going to get to the bottom of it. So really, um, yep, yeah, one thing I'd say don't do is just think you can be positive and you are going to, you, you're locking stuff away. You're not dealing with it. You're not dealing with it by being positive. Get to the source of what the issue is. Be um, totally honest with yourself about where you're at. Stop comparing to other people's lives. That's, that's horrendous. When people start comparing, then that creates jealousy. That is the wrong vibration to, to, to achieve anything in life. Okay? So it's great to have people that you respect and, and, and want to aspire to being similar to, but don't start comparing and then start getting jealous and then it's the wrong energy. Yeah. So really, you know, people have got to start appreciating their strengths as well as their weaknesses. Problem is a lot of people are focusing just on their strengths. You've got to start understanding what are your weaknesses. Write them down. Write down your weaknesses. Write, write down the situation, how you're suffering, what is the problem. You know, don't just try and focus on the strength, the strength, the strength. Start to appreciate the yin and the yang, and then you can get to the source of the problem. Be positive when you're there and look at how that experience has benefited you. You know, I look at, it's funny, I look at the chimp experience and I am so grateful for it. I am so grateful for that experience. Mm. I know that sounds bizarre, you know, who would want to be attacked and nearly killed by a chimp? But I'm so grateful that that gave me that experience in this life. You know, I'm so, I'm so... Well, there's probably a very good chance you wouldn't have done most of what you've done without that experience. Uh, you know what? A lot of people say, do you think, and I think it's a really good question. I haven't got the answer to it, but it's a really interesting concept. Would you have joined the special forces or even passed special forces if you hadn't have been attacked by that chimp? I don't, know. Mm. I don't know. But it's a really good question that makes me think a lot, you know, because it's the experiences that shape us. You know, it's the same with resilience, everything. 
you know, some people adapt to resilience or hardships in their life better than others. And that's mm. simply because they experiences they've had previously, you know, so, so really, uh, you know, it's, it, it's a very intriguing question for me, but um, I do think that there's a lot of weight in the fact that, you know, and this is the positive I take from that. Mm. There's always a positive and a, a negative, whatever the situation, you know, the situations that you're in, you've just got to start. I always do it. You know, you've got to look for that silver lining. But you've got to understand that good things don't just come from good events. Mm. You've got to appreciate that the real growth and learning comes from the hardships and the struggle. And, and, and you've got to appreciate the good and the bad. Mm. Yeah, I am, I've learned a lot from a, a chap called Dr. John Demartini. Mm. He's been like a, a mentor of mine, I suppose. And he told me probably 12 years ago, no single event or occurrence has all upside or all downside. Mm. Every single event or occurrence yeah. has an equally balanced set of upsides and downsides. And then you think about 9-11, rape, blah, blah, mm. blah, and, you know, and your brain starts to try yeah. and disprove it. And in his book, The Values Factor, he, talks, he lists 100 benefits of 9-11. Yeah. Humbleizing America, yep. the fire um, service, maybe being more respected, probably a lot of families got closer together mm. through that experience, probably repaired a lot of bad relationships. Yep. Lots of children would have come out of that because people would have got, and he just went on and on and on of all these upsides of 9-11. He, he clearly picked that event on purpose because mm. he's a triggering yeah. one. Yeah. And um, I bet, not that we're going to, but I bet you if you sat down and did a hundred benefits of the chimp attack, you could find them. hundred percent. Yeah. And, and I think that those things you've said about Positivity is not the answer because you're trying to you're trying to fight the universal law of balance. Mm, yeah, um, and you know not all good events are good situations. Um, you, you know, you're if you're going to turn your business into a global business, you've got to break down some things you've mm. built. So there's some yeah. destruction there, and then mm. you've got to create a new model where there's order. So you've invested some money, and you know that investment mm. now has to become a sunk cost. So there's benefits of having this lovely building that you've got in this gym here, and there's downsides. And there's benefits of being free and mobile yeah. and there's downsides. Yeah. So um, just to add one point on to mm. yours, if to get rid of trauma, I believe, is to dissolve the negativity or, look, or just seeing all the downsides by seeing, well, what gifts did it bring me? Because, mm. you know, you're saying, um, you know, you need struggle. Yeah. It helps you grow. And, you know, struggle builds resilience, yeah. not um, juvenility and independence that doesn't build resilience so every event that mm. was like oprah winfrey was abused and it's look at who she is now and what she's yeah. doing to the planet um in a, in a meaningful way so i think if we could bottle that message up i think yeah. a lot of people are going to have a better life yeah 100 percent. the thing is people are scared to go subsurface mm. on the situation because it's painful yeah because yeah. it's painful and because then we have a generalistic view that was a bad experience i can't believe that happened to mm. me what, what, is, what is positive about those comments? Yeah, no. nothing. Nothing. No. What about but, thank you for it happening? To yeah, you? exactly. But you, you're not going to do that until you like go underwater, mm. go subsurface, and actually deal. With, go to that problem, deal with the problem, and right, really get into depths with it. You know. But um, the more you sit on the surface and aren't prepared to to go deep six on it, mm. then... I love all the phrases that come up. Mate, Some you can surface, tell, deep six. Yeah, mate, you can tell, I have no mate. fucking idea oh, what you're talking special about. Special forces operate. What yeah, does deep six mean? Deep six, like, under, under, the, under the surface. Right, yeah. So deep, underwater. Yeah. 
uh, deep down to the problem. So, yeah. but yeah, that's that's my SBS heritage yeah. coming through. <laughs> but yeah, so but it's, it's, it it makes sense to me. You know, you've got to be prepared to to hold your breath and go down and deal with the trauma. Mm. And if, the more you sit on this, you know, oh, what happened to me? Can't believe this happened. All that kind of negative people. People have got to really start appreciating those, the messages we tell ourselves, the, even whether, whether it's verbal or not, the messages in here have so powerful, mm. so powerful. And we've got to make sure that we get the language correct. You know, we have, we have people, as soon as someone comes in here and I hear that language, I have, I, it's like, it, it almost fractures me. I'm like, oh my God, you've got to stop that. You know, mm. we've had people work for us and they're very much like that. And I'm like, mate, you've got to change that. Yeah. Don't bring that into this place because it's not, you know, it's not adding value to anything, not you and not anyone around you. Mm. You know, it's, it's just like, you know, that sort of victim mentality. And we are, you know, we, there's one that I, f I do find as humans very interesting because first of all, I think given the opportunity and this has been proven just re with recent events, we can be fucking lazy. Yeah. Absolutely lazy. Complacency again. Yeah. The enemy. Complacency, yeah. exactly. <laughs> yeah. We can be lazy and... Um, and we can be extremely negative. It's mm. like, you know, it's people just aren't doing themselves any favors. But, you know, I think I reckon because of the way the programming, you know, the, or, or deprogramming, whatever you want to call it, I don't be, people do not understand their potential. Yeah. And if you don't understand your potential, you then cannot understand the power you have to create whatever you want. You know, if, mm. if you think you're a bloody, old 1970s Skoda that can only do 50 mile top end. <laughs> we got yeah. a car analogy yeah. for a change of the yeah, military mate, cars. We're going to go on yeah. cars, mobiles. Yeah. You know, if, if, you, if that's what you believe you are, you're never going to think you can achieve yeah. anything. You're never going to think you can go 90 mile an hour. But, you know, people just don't understand. And we, 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 we're programmed to not, on, not believe our true power. Mm. You know, that society could not handle the human race being all creative and productive and, and, you know, sort of big dreamers and high yeah. achievers, they couldn't handle it. It wouldn't, society wouldn't work. It'd be like a big, one big ayahuasca retreat. Exactly. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, it, 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 it's for, you know, society needs to be, um, belt fed fear yeah. and programmed into believing they can't achieve anything, you know, or they've got the, the, the bound within limits. You know, but fear is such a massive thing. You know, I see it day in, day out. Some people are just walking around is in a horrendous state of fear. And it, rightly so, because the situation is not great at the moment. But the thing is, if you're belt-fed again, you know, like the media, if you're, if you're buying the newspapers, watching the news all day long, you're going to, you, you know, yeah. that's what it's designed for. You know, and to, to have us in a state of fear as an individual, that then creates vulnerability. Vulnerability, when you're vulnerable, you, you look for someone to, to, to sort of depend on. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's where the majority of the nation are at. You know, they'll do exactly what anyone says or, wear you know, mask. that authoritarian, wear a mask, do, yeah, exactly, do this, yeah, do jab. that. You know, if someone said... Get two, two jabs. Get two jabs. Get the booster. So you can, so you can go into this shop. Yeah, exactly. And if you exactly. don't do this jab, you can't travel. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Exactly. I've heard insurance as well. You won't be able to get car insurance. That's an interesting one. 
Um, I better shut my fucking mouth here. Yeah, that's get, not, yeah, I'll we're, get we're, myself we're, into yeah, trouble. You, you're going down <laughs> a, a quite compelling path, though. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, but the thing is, you know, the thing for me, you know, those programming centres, they're called schools. People don't leave school. They never leave school. They think they've left school. They never leave school. You know, but as, aside from the education, if you want to call it that, uh, that's being fed to, to kids there, they are doctrinating them into the nine to five uh, regime, the authoritarian being the headmaster, the teacher, whatever. People never leave that. They then go into their job. They've got the boss or the government, whatever. They'll do exactly what, the, you know, they're still in that mindset. I must do this. They're programmed. Mm. programmed and you know to really to create something different in life you know big thing for me is stepping outside of that program stepping outside of the tracks and getting away from the system you know and creating your own identity that's not dictated by anyone else you know <laughs> exactly <laughs> that's rage against the machine yeah. we, should, we should put some fuck you i won't do what you tell me music over that absolutely but that's <laughs> the thing you know what I said, I said to my wife last week and she's the same i'm like no one tells me what to do i tell me what to do I'm not having anyone. And, you know, some things I listen to and think, look, I'll always analyse it. Does that make sense to me? Mm. Yeah, it does. I'll do that. Yeah. But, you know, if someone asks you to walk on your belly um, for the rest of your life, are you not going to ask questions? That's what people are being asked to do. Mm. <laughs> not literally call on your belly, but people are being asked to do that. When people ask me to do something, anything, and this goes back years and years and years, even in the military, I ask why. Why am I doing that? Yeah. What's the purpose? Tell me what the purpose of that is. Tell myself what the purpose is. Why mm. am I doing it? And if I can't see logic in it, if there's ulterior intelligence, if you want to call it that, that dictates it doesn't make sense to me, I'm, I'm not going to do it. No. I'm not going to do it. I am my own. We are all our own boss. Unless you're one of the guys that works in my company. <laughs> I like fucking 75 yeah, 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 resignation yeah, letters going on. would be like, I can't. So, Ollie, was your um, new venture with the Australian TV company, was that a two fingers to Channel 4? Uh, it was a nice, it wasn't the fact, that wasn't the motivation, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it, was a, it was blowing them a kiss. Yeah, it was, yeah. A, it was a kiss, yeah. yeah. Would you say your military training has transferred into your current ventures? Some aspects of it, not all. So, so what has and what hasn't? Process. Process is so important. Process beats paralysis. Right. So process is so important. Everything we want to achieve. A, B, C, how do we get there regardless of what's going on in here? Love it. Is there anything else you've done that compares to the stress of being a soldier other than a chimp attack? Uh, yeah, getting married in Vegas. <laughs> <laughs> I'm realising that <laughs> your wife is around. You do know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. no, it's in the book. It's in the book. Yeah. Anything that's in the book is which fair book play, is it in? It's in um, Breakpoint. Okay, Breakpoint. Break yeah, so Breakpoint yeah. for the full story. Yeah, being in uh, being in Vegas and then realising it was a big mistake just before you're about to get married was quite stressful. Wow. Yeah. Is it true you had boozy parties in Saddam Hussein's villa? Absolutely. Yeah, massive parties. Wow. Yeah. Did you ever have a drink with Saddam Hussein? No. No. But we did his prostitutes. <laughs> <laughs> that that's a million that's a million view video right there. Thanks, it's been worth the trip. That's in the book. Yeah, you can go a bit longer on this if you want. Yeah. What do you think about the recent exit from Afghanistan? Uh, the recent exit from Afghanistan, I think, is uh, is shocking. 
to say the least. You know, I was working last week with someone. I was out out on the water uh, kayaking, you know, racing kayaks. And a guy turned up and they said, oh, John's coming next, Royal Marine. He's only got one limb. I'm like, oh, what, he's canoeing? And they went, yeah. And this guy was out there on the water, bionic arm, thrashing everyone. So you know what? And then straight after that happened, I thought straight at that guy, and I thought, I know loads of people like that. And I'm so annoyed that people have gone over there and lost a lot more than limbs. You know, their lives, you know, they come back here with serious trauma. And they're the people I feel for big time. But... On that, I just know the way the world works. I just wonder what's going on behind the scenes. Everything out there that's fed to us is intended to be a distraction. What do you think is going on behind the scenes? I don't know. I don't know, but I'm always looking beyond. uh, Whenever something big like this happens, I'm always looking in my peripheral to to see what else is going on. And if you were to guess, what's the bigger picture? Uh, Are they opening the door for China? Right. Maybe. I don't know. Mm. You know, Afghanistan's got the biggest lithium deposits in the whole world. Lithium's quite popular at the moment. Mm. So, you know, I just, I just feel the way it was done, you know, you look, at, you look at the whole thing. I mean, you've only got to see the videos. It's, it's like they were told to leave in 30 minutes. Yeah. You know, cash left, weapons left. I mean, you just go in, you put Dems on everything, blow the whole lot and then leave. You know, at least, yeah, at least. But to leave before, you know, the military is the last thing that leaves. You know, and I just, just for comfort, you know, on a global scale, that is, as far as I can see, has humiliate, humiliated the whole effort, humiliated the, the US. And I think it's just a real shocking state of affairs. Mm-hmm. What would you say the general relationship with money is in the military? Relationship with money, I mean, talking from my own experiences, it's just ridiculous. You know, my, half of my career was thinking how I could earn some more money to live, you know, which, um, you know, mili- uh, financially-wise, I mean, I never joined because of the financials, clearly. But, you know, financially, it's just ridiculous. When I actually tell people what we used to get paid as Special Forces soldiers, it was, you know, ridiculous. Um, yeah, but again... If you want to join, you know, if your focus and your passion and your motivation is financial, the military is not for you. Yeah. Mm. Is, that, is that where you were steering with that? Or? Yeah, I just, yeah. Um, we have a lot of, well, I wasn't steering in any way, yeah. so I want you to answer the question, but yeah. we do have a lot of ex-forces mm. that come and do our courses for property and business. Yeah. Um, and yeah, there's a certain amount of indoctrination about how you develop your career and then your retirement beyond that. Mm. And you have to help them unlearn a lot of the things they've learned to invest and to replace the pension with property. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I think uh, there's, I, I mean, look, always going back to source again. You know, I think, I think what education are you giving at school about finance, finances, about investment, about running, you know? None. And, the, you know, and there's, there's a mix of people. I mean, people end up learning from their parents, don't they, yeah. essentially about their finances. Um, and um, a lot of people, if you can manage your money in the military and manage it well, yeah. then you can, you can pretty much manage anything. Yeah. But for me, my finances were the, my main focus. Mm. You know, I, I couldn't actually enjoy my job because my fun, you know, a lot of it I created myself. I just didn't earn enough money. Yeah. So, um, you know, but, uh, you know, I was living in severe lack for all of my military career. Mm. What does someone fairly high up the military get paid? Not right at the top, but fairly high. 
Well, I mean, if you're talking, I mean, it's a long time since I've been in, but I mean, I can imagine 30,000. I mean, 30 grand. Yeah. To put my two kids through senior private school yeah. will be about gross, um, if you fact in mm. before tax, 150 grand. Yeah. You know, when you, when yeah. you roll it all in. Yeah. And so... Not enough. Now, I'm probably going shallow there, but the thing is, but I mean, even it's if it's probably 50 not, grand. even if it's fifty grand, yeah. I mean, but generally, I'd say, if, let's go middle road there, forty grand. I mean, you know. But the thing is, that the, the military worker, you know, they they always go on the premise about, well, you don't have to pay for accommodation. Well, you do have to pay for accommodation, but you know, it's very low living costs, etc. That's why they work on it. It's the best pension in the world. All these property's the best pension in exactly. the world. <laughs> that's not the, the, exactly. No, yeah. I totally agree, but that's what they sell yeah. to the young, you know, the young recruits going in there. You know, it's a guaranteed wage, blah, 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 this, that, and the other. But, you know, for me, I, I mean, I tell you what, my, my time in the military, it was just, I look, I was so confined. And that was the whole thing, thing for me. People think, oh, it's, it's a dream job. It's this. I'm the first person to say it. it was, for me, it wasn't a dream job. Mm. You know, I was driven by image. Right. I was, the image was being the special forces soldier because that would look good. Mm. You know what I mean? That's what we do, don't we, as humans? We do it because it's going to look good for everyone else looking on. Yeah. And really, when I got there, I realised that wasn't my purpose at all. Well, that question you asked, I'm going to ask that. I love learning from people and I love mm. learning, getting little bits. I'm going to regularly ask myself, if no one else existed on the planet, what decision would I make? Mm. I think that is a really powerful yeah. question. I'd still buy a thousand quid Louboutin shoes, I would, <laughs> but at least it would be for me and not for impressing other people. Yeah. Um, but such a good question. Yeah. I think it is. And even in, you know, in the moment, yes. when you're making very big decisions, what would I do if, if there was no one else on this planet yeah. right now? Mm. What do you do to get motivated? Um, I stay focused. I stay energised and I, I keep moving every day. You know, exercise and health for me is, a, is one of my biggest, um, uh, one of my main focuses. And I think for me, you know, when people brush that kind of stuff aside, I, you know, I think that's absolutely crazy. Mm. Um, so really, for me, um, it's all about health and fitness. Yeah. And that is keeping moving. I want to make sure, especially as you get older as well, you know, people tend to, to end up getting, um, you know, ill health, bad pro you know, problems just through bad management. One of my friends says movement is medicine. It, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And people don't understand as well is your, your food is your mood. Mm. You know what I mean? It's what you eat that creates what's up here. So if you're going down and smashing, you know, it's like putting diesel in a Porsche, mm. you know. Yeah. It's not going to work. You know, people are more invested in putting good fuel in the car than they are in their own bodies. Mm. <laughs> mm. That's another one for TikTok. <laughs> I love it. Okay. What's your favourite movie about the SAS? Uh, it's a shit question, but we put it in anyway. Um, I don't know any. No? <laughs> None spring to mind. Nah, there you go. Um, I'll tell you what. No, let's go back to that because yeah. Lewis Collins, um, the Iranian, Iranian embassy, because I love how absolute bullshit it is. That's <laughs> <laughs> in some of the skills and that, it just makes me laugh. Yeah. So that for me is, is my favourite film about the, the military. Again, for me, I mean, people think because I've been in the military at the top of my game that I'm this kind of mental, you know, I've got all camouflage, 
uh, <laughs> you know, little suits and everything. And, you know, I'm not interested in the military, to be quite honest. It's, mm. it's, it's something I did a long time back. And, um, you know, I'm not, I'm not that interested in it. Yeah. Fair <laughs> enough. That's all good. Um, do you have a 30 second or less trick uh, people can practice to increase their mental strength? Oh, that's a very good question. If you're worried about a situation, then write everything down you're worried about. Then cross out the things you can't control and deal with the things you can. You are like, Boom. you're getting a TikTok erection here, aren't you, with all of this? <laughs> <laughs> Rob's our TikTok guy. It's so good. <laughs> um, what's the second scariest thing that's ever happened to you? You know what? The second scariest thing is I've had two events in my life that were outside of the military, outside of the special forces. And the second event that was the scariest is as a civilian being attacked by the militia, heavily outnumbered, at 140 kilometres an hour on the road to Baghdad. Wow. It was hideous. Something that I um, yeah, would not want to go through again. What happened? Um, well, we were escorting a load of VIPs back from Jordan, and um, on the road on the way back, the, uh, our convoy got attacked. So we had vehicles coming up the back. I was sat in the front seat with an MP5 Kurtz little machine gun, body armour on, shirt over the top. They had no idea who we were. And um, it was when the vehicle was sat behind us, right on the bumper, that then the AK-47s came out and bullets started flying. And um, four, four AK-47s at the, at the, firing at the same time when you're on the wrong end is a crescendo from hell. And um, it was dealing with that situation in that moment, which happened in seconds. So I pulled the vehicle into the next lane. Oh, you were driving? I was driving, yeah. Allowed them to come up. We had the central reservation on that side. We had another one of our vehicles in front. And then we'd, I'd pull my vehicle out here. We trapped them, we boxed them in, they fell for the trap. And it was in that moment that I picked up the MP5 Kurtz and shot through my closed window at 140 k's an hour into the vehicle, just as he was bringing his AK-47 onto my head. And it was all so, that, and it happen, happening so fast. You took them all out then? Well, I mean, you know, I always say this, people, uh, everyone says to ex-Special Forces, how many people you, have you killed? Yeah, if I had probably told anyone that number, they'd be disappointed. And I don't yeah. know if we killed them that day or no. We got shots on target, whether they died or not. Yeah. I don't know. I'd like to think they didn't die. Yeah. But, you know, it certainly resolved that situation in that moment. But, you know, it's, it was another interesting moment for me because it was that moment where you triage the situation, you know, and that is... We, in that moment, we, we start fearing about all things we can't control, triage it. What really mattered in that moment? Him, point a gun at me, yeah. deal with that. Yeah. And the rest flowed then. Wow. I got goosebumps then. <laughs> and I don't know if it's the cost of coffee or the story. It's probably a bit of both. <laughs> we whacked the pre-workout yeah, in the game. Yeah. <laughs> What's the weirdest thing that's ever happened to you? Uh, the weirdest thing was when we attacked a boat. Well, if we're talking, I'll tell you what, let's go on the military and... It was one of my first jobs in the SBS, and we did a lot of sort of uh, counter-narcotics counter work. And it was, it, was a, it was an awesome job, out at night, on a helicopter, hitting this ship out at sea, rough seas, the ship's like going mental, you know, on the, on the waves, and we're having to come down this fast rope onto, you know, you're not attached on a fast rope, it's just a rope, and you control it by, wow. so you've got all your weapons, everything hanging off you, your stun grenade, you know, your, your flash crash grenades and all that kind of stuff. And the ship's doing this, and, and you're having, I'm having to time it so that you hit it on the pendulum. Yeah. You know, and you know, yeah. with the grip of your hand. Anyway, got onto the ship, and it was hilarious because when you, as you're coming into target, you put down your, um, your balaclava. 
Okay, and you get finally ready, make sure you, everything's good to go uh, on your two minutes in. And that's done all in, all in the dark. So then you hit the ship, got on board, we went straight to our objective, bust open the door and it hit us. Bang, hit us. Smell of ganja. Really? <laughs> <laughs> and the smell was just like, they'd been locked up in this, right. you know, the, 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 we didn't know it was in there. We thought there was enemy in there. So we went straight through and it was the hole where they were keeping all the drugs. Yeah. Bang, hit us straight away. And we got in there. We're trying to crawl. There's another door on the other side. So we're crawling over these massive blocks of ganja. <laughs> all in black. We're all in black. And then suddenly one of the lads starts laughing. <laughs> I'm like... <laughs> but then the sergeant, our sergeant, he'd come down onto... And he probably heard us laughing. He was coming through as well. And he's like... Ah. He'd come through into, into the same room. And he's like... Right, lads! Stop being fucking professional. And we turned around, looked at him. He put his balaclava on and obviously didn't wear it. His nose was sticking through the eyepiece. <laughs> <laughs> he had one eye half visible and we were just fucking in bits. Just like... And we had to really pull ourselves together to take that ship down that day. That was Love probably that. one of the weirdest. <laughs> Piers Morgan called you a kale-munching quinoa guzzler after discovering you were vegan. Did you respond to that? Did you even know that? I did know that. I didn't respond, uh, but I was very, very, I was on, on the edge of, of, of going into attack mode then. And why didn't you? Because I think it takes a bigger man to walk away from stuff like that. And I wasn't vegan at the time anyway. So. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, for, for a person that's um, been responsible for the stuff that he's been responsible for, you know, releasing pitches and all that kind of stuff for lads, soldiers, overseas um i'm definitely the better man yeah that. do you think he was riling you up on purpose yeah absolutely absolutely riling me up was it even him mm. so. yeah but anyway listen everyone's entitled to their own opinion yeah yeah what's the best advice you ever received uh the best advice i ever received was stop doing things for other people as in stop building stop trying to create the person you are to please everyone else. Looking at all the cameras, that is the best advice. There's a book I read called The Courage to be Disliked, which is- Yeah, I've seen that recently. Yeah, yeah. and it covers Adlerian psychology and various things, but the theory is that ultimate freedom is um, having the courage to be disliked, therefore not living your life based on what you think other people think of you. Mm, yeah. And I, would definitely put that up there. Yeah, I mean, that goes back into that, you know, ayahuasca journey. You know, I just saw that person. I just, when I saw it in, in that vision, it was this almost like we're putting the clothes on this mannequin, you know, we're building this yeah. fucking picture of perfection. Stop faking perfection. Yeah. You know, you, you're only no fooling thing. yourself. Yeah. It's funny, I'm going to express something that came, that I felt, because obviously we've got to know each mm. other and you showed me that awesome military vehicle that you've just bought. <laughs> and I had this overwhelming sensation to show you all the cars I have, which would have been my yeah. ego manifesting. Yeah. Actually, not ego as in brag, yeah. ego as in I hope Ollie values me. Mm. I hope Ollie thinks I'm good enough, legitimate guy to come and spend time with him. Does he know what I've built and who I am? Yeah. He probably doesn't. And then I just thought, no, I don't need to show him that. Yeah. I am me. And I went and did some chin-ups on your, on your bar. <laughs> Can I see him? <laughs> yeah, you can see the cars. But that's but the thing. You know what? That is the thing, though. It's like a lot of it. Some people think when I, I start 
telling them about the cars. They think, oh, you're trying to get one up now, aren't you? And no, I, I didn't, I didn't think that. Yeah, but you're yeah. not. You're not. And I'm not. And I'm like, no, I'm just showing you. Because yeah. in, in some respects, I think it's quite ridiculous that I've yeah. got, you know, a lot of motorbikes, a lot of, I think, I, but I don't look at it as if, and that's where you ask yourself that question. You know, you ask yourself the question, would I be doing this if I was the only person on the planet? Mm. You, know, you probably still would buy that if you're the only yeah, person. Yeah, no, I would. would. I mean, a lot of them are ready for Armageddon anyway. Yeah. So yeah. we're, we're <laughs> yeah. all, you know what I mean? It's, but everything, you know, everything I've got out there is, is designed for purpose, not mm. for Instagram. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, and that's how your mindset should be, shouldn't it? You know, designed you, for purpose, not for Instagram. That's another one. Yeah. Your pants are moving. <laughs> <laughs> Great. What's, uh, the, what's yeah. the worst advice you ever received? Uh, the worst advice I ever received, do as you're told. <laughs> do as you're told is probably the worst advice I've ever received. Mm. Mm. Because I don't believe we should, any, anyone should do as they're told. You know, you have to analyse the situation. If it makes sense to you, then do it. But always doing things on your own terms, not mm. someone else's. Mm. I really like that. Is there one thing that's wrong with the world that you'd like to change? Yeah, there is one thing in the world I'd love to change, and that is the pandemic, the real pandemic. That's greed. You know, greed is the real problem that's out there. And if, if we controlled that, I think problems would disappear overnight. How do we control greed? Where do we start? Where do we start? Because we, everything's been engineered about, you know, about creating wealth. You know, this is another point I actually wanted to talk to you about because there's two sides to this. You know, I do, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in the fact that people should try and create something, something that means something to them. And then sometimes, a lot of the times that doesn't necessarily mean wealth. You know, there's so much information out there on Instagram, on social media about you know, millionaire mentor or whatever it is. Here's me in a, you know, in, in a Rolls, which they probably hired for the day. You know, here's me, you know, some Russian chick inside a jet. You know, I'm just on my way. It's not, they've paid to go and have that picture taken. Mm. And I just, I think it's unhealthy. Mm. You know, happy, I know this is cliche happiness. You know, it's, you know, it's money doesn't make you happy. Money does one thing for me, and that is creates freedom. It creates experience. You know what I mean? But I just think a lot of people are chasing the dollar when they should be investing in themselves first. Mm. You know what I mean? And, and they put the dollar in front of themselves. So, and that all comes down to greed. Everything's about money, 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 money. I just think that is the biggest pandemic in the world. Mm. Mm. We should put that clip on the money podcast that we have. <laughs> right after where I say money does make you happy. <laughs> <laughs> but money does make you happy. If you, you know, again, you know, I talk about control and stuff here. I was that, I tell you what, I left the military with no money whatsoever. You know, I hadn't any money and I was scrabbling around, you know, trying to make some more money outside of work and everything just, just to pay for my social life. And it was ridiculous. Mm. And then I came out, one of the main reasons that I came out was because of money. It was all money. And then I came out, then I went over to, Iraq, where I was earning massive, for me at that time, 2003, 13,000 pounds a month tax-free. I mean, even today, that is a great amount of money to be earning. For me, that was masses. I was still poor. Mm. I was still poor because this was Because you don't know how to manage it. Yeah, I didn't know how to manage it. And also, my, I still had the mindset of lack. And my motivation was money. I was doing a job that was money-focused, money, 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 and it wasn't a passion for doing the job. My world changed when I started a business that was focused on a mission statement of helping mm. other people and the money became a byproduct. Mm. Doesn't mm. stop the money from flowing. Yeah. It 
just you probably make more. Yeah, well, it, it just means you're not money's bitch. It's the other way around. It's a tool for you. Mm. If there was one person you'd love to watch, listen to on the Disruptive Entrepreneur Show, we're on all channels now. We used mm. to be just podcast. And we actually hadn't had the YouTube that long when we um, came to meet you last time. Who would you, one person you'd love to watch? I'd love to watch, and I have followed him through my tough times and my good times, and that's Bob Proctor. Mm. I just think he is the godfather, as far as I'm concerned, of personal development. What I love, love about Bob Proctor is the fact that he's not trying to state that he's invented this stuff. He's quite happy and quite comfortable stating he is reframing it. Yeah. You know, from, you know, he's keeping that content alive. And I just think, you know, he picks up and people don't understand how much frequency is involved in our evolution, mm. you know, and, and our well-being and everything. And he is one person that is on it when it yeah. comes to frequency, vibration, everything. So Bob Proctor. Okay, cool. We can definitely make that happen. I know we can. He was on The Great. Secret, wasn't he? We've had most of The Secret, yeah. guys. Yeah. Um, we had... Gio Vitale recently, he was great, wasn't was he? he? Yeah, he was great. I'm just going to um, get, I'm going to get that sorted out. This show, as it evolves, we call it the disruptive entrepreneur at the moment, but it evolves. It's on all channels. What does the word disruptive mean to you? Nonconformist. Disruptive is a great word for me because I think we should all be disruptive. And that for me is about looking, if you, everyone's telling you to go that way and that's where the crowd are going, go the other way. Look what's the other way. So disruptive really means going against the system. And if you want to perform, don't conform. This is just gold. <laughs> this is platinum. <laughs> this is diamond. <laughs> Love it. Right, Ollie, where can we fi find you and follow you? Um, what books are the ones we should grab of yours first? What socials are you mainly on? Yeah, I think um, really the main focus or the main you can get me on, I should say, on uh, my Instagram channel, ollie.olliton. That's the main... Um, place to get me. The best book I would say to anyone, which is all about reprogramming yourself for positivity, is Battle Ready. Great. Let's get this out to the masses then. Ollie, thanks a lot. Brilliant, that was a lot mate. of fun. Mega enjoy that. I'm so glad we did Cheers. that. Hey, it's Rob again, and I need to own up to something. Entrepreneurs don't celebrate enough. I bet you don't. I know I don't. And we went through the five-year anniversary of The Disruptive Entrepreneur, which is a massive achievement, and the 600th episode, which again, how many podcasts have done 600 episodes? And we didn't even celebrate. So I want to celebrate the 600th episode and the five-year anniversary with you. We have something new and special that I think you're going to love. Now, many of you who listen you're on my Facebook supporter program. You get 10 pieces of content with me as a bonus over and above what the general public get. We have supporter only meetups, socials, dinners. I do ask me anythings every sort of two weeks or so live. We do make cash and social media challenges. You get discounts, you get to come to events and you get premium ticket upgrades and so much more. But what I've done to celebrate the five year anniversary, the 600th episode, is actually created a decentralized platform called Rob.team. Many of you don't use Facebook. We're in a, a more modern decentralized age now. So if you go right now to Rob.team, www.rob.team, you can join my supporter and Rob.team program. You can choose whether you enroll on Facebook or the non-native decentralized platform that I've built specially for you. And for just five pounds or $5 a month, cancel any time. 
You get 10 premium pieces of content from me you don't get anywhere else, deep dive content. You get supporter and team only meetups, socials and dinners throughout the year. A two weekly Ask Me Anything Live that I don't do in any public situation anymore. We do seven day challenges about five times a year. Make cash challenges, social media challenges. You get premium ticket upgrades, special discounts. I have um, three Facebook account managers. We often have Zoom meetings with them and then we update you sort of from the horse's mouth live um, what they shared with us. Um, whenever we do events and webinars, we never do replays or recordings. But as a supporter and team member, you get those free. You get an extra 10% discount off any of my trainings. And get this, if you're one of the first 60, I can't do 600, you'll see why. Then I'm actually going to do a 15-minute one-to-one personal call with you. And if you're one of the first 256, I've just set up a brand new Rob.team WhatsApp group where you'll get my mobile number and you know, we can share strategies and tactics together. So go right now to www.rob.team. That's www.rob.team. First 50, get a 15-minute one-to-one call with me. Um, I'm going to do that after your first month subscription. And, I, you know, it's going to take me a bit of time to do that, but I'll do it. I'll, I'm a man of my word. And the first 256, you get into the Rob.team supporters only WhatsApp group. There's loads of bonuses in there. This program has been running for two years. My six-stage, seven-figure launch formula, which was a paid-for course, it's in there. How to write a best-selling book course is in there. PAVA and social media manager and brand manager documents and job descriptions are in there. Marketing KPIs documents are in there. How to dramatically increase your fees. The book I'm writing, the up-to-date version is in there. There's so much content. It's only £5 or $5 a month. Uh, and I'm adding this new platform, Rob.team, to celebrate the 50th anniversary and the 600 episodes. And first 60, 15-minute one-to-one call with me. First 256, get into the um, exclusive WhatsApp group. So be quick, go now, because we have millions of subscribers and downloads and views a week now for the Disruptive Entrepreneur Show across all platforms. So see you there at www.rob.team. Go now. <laughs>